Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to present a TechBound podcast interview with Joost de Falk. Joost needs no introduction, but for the few people who don't know him, Joost is the founder and chief product officer of Joost, the well-known SEO plugin that he started in 2010 and that employs more than 100 people by now. Joost is also an investor together with his wife, Marika, in companies like Peerby, Student.com or Wordproof. In this excellent conversation, Joost and I speak about improving the web, the status quo of the CMS market share, and the importance of schema markup. Don't skip a beat. Make sure to listen to the end. Give me five stars and enjoy this outstanding conversation with Mr. Joost de Falk. Three, two, one. Mr. Joost, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is a delight to have you on. Uh, yes, you are running a semi-annually CMS market share analysis. Give us a little bit of a context. Why do you do that? And what are the bigger trends that you have seen lately? So I do that because it's very hard to, to get good numbers on, hey, who is using what and how are these CMSs doing? And just how how is the web progressing? What's what's happening out there? Because there are some there are a couple of tools out there that that, that do an analysis on which website is built with what software. And basically what you want is an overview of hey, what's what's changing here and who's doing what and how big is a market share for WordPress, how big is a market share for Shopify? for Wix, for Squarespace, for all these companies that are, well, doing well in a, in a way. I mean, these are all companies or ecosystems that that uh, are growing, but there are when those are growing, growing, others are shrinking and why and what's happening in that regard, etc. So I started looking into this when I was preparing to and gearing up to doing more marketing for WordPress itself. So WordPress.org, um, but I just kept on doing it because it was actually very insightful for us and for the for our business as well to see like, hey, what are the trends? Which uh, which systems are doing well? And when you go into that, you figure out that there that well in in reality there is only a couple of systems really doing well, um, like four or five of them doing reasonably well, and a lot of them doing very poorly. Which, in a way, is good news because, let's face it, when I started on the web, we probably had more CMSs than we had people on the web. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that that is necessarily a good thing. I think it's a good thing that, uh, that slowly the web is moving towards a few large systems in many ways whereby a few can still be a 100 different systems. I'd be fine with that but not tens of thousands, because I don't think that's good for anyone. Well, you can see that progress. And and of course, I'm mostly a WordPress guy myself, and well, WordPress is doing incredibly well in those stats. Um, but admittedly, also, those stats have, have a tendency to, well, to lag and also to show only the biggest sites on the web and not, and, and with that not be a true reflection of the entire web. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, and the the progress of WordPress is really stunning. I think it's uh, you probably have the most up to date numbers, but it's more than thirty three percent at this point of the web running on WordPress. Yeah, it's it, it, it's even closer to forty two, which in my mind is just mind boggling. I mean, 
But this, this is also where it becomes problematic because I'm fairly certain it's not 42% of all websites, but it is 42% of the top 10 million websites, which is two very distinctly different things because there are so many websites out there. It, nobody really knows how many websites there, there really are, so that makes all of this a bit harder to, well, to guesstimate well. But yeah, I think we're at 41.5 at the moment. Why, why do you think WordPress has been so successful? Like, why, why are they dominating so hard? I think it's a combination of relatively low cost of ownership, uh, wide availability of developers, and versatility, and ease of use. In the end, I think any system that wants to compete on the web for anything, whether it's CMS or anything else, Ease of use is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely true. And I'm, I'm a WordPress user myself. Uh, my site runs on WordPress. And I think ease of use is certainly one factor. Modularity is another factor, right? It's a very moldable product. You can really make it into whatever you need, whether it's a web shop or a CMS or just a blog or even a, a small little web app. You can you can run a lot of things on WordPress, right? And I totally agree with you. I think also the rise of, of products like Squarespace, Wix and probably even Shopify, right? They all speak to almost this no-code trend where you make it very easy for somebody to set up a site or even a business without them knowing how to code. Because let's face it, most people are probably not as technical uh, as as you and me are. No, and I think that's also the the, the danger of WordPress in a way. Um, it, it, that you need to be fairly technical to maintain a WordPress site properly. That's why some of the um, the SaaS offerings are doing so well and why people are switching to them sometimes because, well, if I compare running a Shopify site to a WooCommerce site or uh, running a, a simple marketing site on uh, Squarespace versus running that on WordPress, it's a lot simpler to do it wrong on WordPress than it is to do on those other platforms. So it's a lot easier to shoot yourself in the foot. And, and, and that is the challenge that WordPress has in how, it, yeah, in, in how people use it is to how do you tell them that they're actually breaking things or not doing it right? And how can we help them prevent them from doing that? But it's, it, yeah, it is. I mean, if you look at the, the market share, so number, WordPress is the number one in the market with 41.5. And if you look at those stats, it's really staggering because Shopify is doing incredibly well as the number two in the market, but it has 3.5% of that market share versus the 41.5% that WordPress has. So it's, it's, it's such an incredible difference in size. Absolutely. And, and you already mentioned a couple, like you mentioned like shooting yourself in the foot and the challenges uh, that some webmasters face. And I think you build a company with Yoast that, that fills a huge gap on the market and really solves one of the biggest pain points for people on WordPress and other uh, CMSs as well, right? Which is which is SEO and making SEO a bit more um, action, actionable and tangible. Um, talk to me a little bit about the biggest challenges that you see webmasters face. We already talked about that, you know, to, to maintain the site, you need to be fairly technical. Like what else do you think are the, or what you see as the main challenges that webmasters have today? Well, I think the biggest 
challenge depends a bit on what type of webmaster you are. But if you've had a website for, say, a decade now, and you've been on the web that entire time, you've been writing, etc., then your website is now probably becoming old and a bit sluggish. And you need to start cleaning up. You need to do some spring cleaning. and oh. So for older sites, you see more of this happening because, well, as the web grows, more and more sites reach that age. Um, at the same time, you also uh, have still have a lot of people coming onto the web and building new sites. And they're just wondering what they need to do. So, so they have this site. And then you have a WordPress site, you've made it look like something that you are reasonably okay with, or your web developer has done that for you. And then what? If you at that point don't start actually doing stuff online and marketing and promoting and writing content, responding on other people's websites or Twitter feeds or Facebooks or whatever, but if you don't seek out the interaction, and if you're not urged to do that, then it becomes brochureware then it's literally your company brochure on the web and that's it. I think the biggest challenge is to actually keep people working on their site and keep on improving it, to actually make this whole process into something that is a bit more than um, than doing it once. So we've started calling this SEO fitness, where we tell people to like, hey, this is not something you can do only once. This is something that you actually need to do every week and or every month and like fitness if you stop doing it for six months and then start doing it it's going to hurt a little in the beginning and because it's actual work that you need to you need to put time into this no site is going to be is ever going to be good if you don't put time into it so i think that's the biggest challenge that to tell people like hey your website is just like your shop you need to to Keep on cleaning it. You need to make sure that you paint the outsides. You need to well, do all that maintenance. Now you're getting me excited, Jules. When we talk about fitness, I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as a, you know, an avid uh, fitness enthusiast, what does a fitness programming or, or even a diet look like for websites? What do you recommend webmasters to do on an ongoing basis to keep their site in shape? So we're, we're in the middle of this at the moment uh, within Yoast on actually defining a whole lot of these things. So at Yoast, we, we have a, we, well, we, we used to have pre COVID a very nice office culture. Uh, and I hope we'll get back to that relatively soon where people come into the office. And we actually have a personal trainer uh, that uh, trains with all of our staff and uh, helps them well, get fit, et cetera. In many ways, what you want is is to adapt personal training plans to every website. So you want to look at a website and go like, hey, what does this website need? We call that personal. But of course, even a personal trainer, when he looks at you, he just grabs from experience and grabs from like the 20 possibilities that he has in his head on how to combine things. And that's what we're building as well. So we're building workflows in, in how to help people work out these things. I think that some of the most important stuff that we can teach people to do, we already have a lot of features for within USSEO. That's internal linking improvements. So literally telling people to, hey, you have this post that has no internal links or very few internal links. Should you improve it? Or should that post be deleted? Or should that post maybe be merged with something else? 
fixing du duplicate content, which usually starts to accrue as your website grows up because you're writing this post about this topic. And then three years later, again, in the news cycle, that, that article or that topic comes up and you want to write an article about it. Do you rewrite your old article or do you write a new one and then suddenly have two articles trying to rank for the same term. The latter is what most people do. The former is what you probably should do. But there is a there's a lot of well, work like that. Internal linking improvements are often the thing that um, a lot of SEOs do when they come into a site. You start looking for like, what are the easy wins, right? You go into a site and you go, okay, what can I fix? Uh, where are the very glaring 404s that I should probably take a look at? I mean, what are what are the, the biggest errors that I can fix easily? And how can I make this site better? Well, what you usually do is you end up going like, okay, which terms do we want to rank for? How do I improve the internal linking for those terms? Uh, I think of it a bit like as like fitness programs where you take people through these like, okay, let's first improve the internal linking for your top 20 terms. Then let's start fixing all the internal 404s that you have and all, uh, uh, all the errors that we can see. Work on your site speed if that's necessary. If it's too slow, let's make sure ensure your site is a bit faster. And then you, you slowly work through these things. I love that. I think it's such an underrated topic and just in general, right? This idea of SEO fitness or hygiene or maintenance, it's huge. Um, actually, there's yeah. um, a study that just came out from the New York Times where they looked at over 550,000 articles that contained over 2.2 million links to external websites. And I'll, I'll post a link to that study in the show notes. And what they found is that already articles from 2018 contained 6% of dead links, meaning of links that pointed to pages or sites that were no longer existing. When you look at the articles from 1998, there was 72% of links that they were broken, right? So th they call it, I think, link rot. Um, you can call it link decay, whatever you want to call it, right? But I think a reality that we have to face is that websites, quote unquote, decay over time. Internal linking is one um, example of that, but content is another one. We saw all these studies over the last couple of years that show, or studies or case studies that show, hey, when you go back and you update content, like you see these big returns. And I think that's something that too many SEOs don't really do. They don't go back. They don't, and it's not just updating. As you said, it's consolidating, questioning. Is this still relevant? Should we rewrite this? Should we take a different angle, right? Because the, the, the truth is that most information out there is not steady, right? It, it evolves, it progresses, things change, right? So I think this is such an important point that you mentioned that, that is so underrated. Yeah, I, I mean, we have a team doing this the entire time on Yoast.com. So we literally have a team constantly going through our, our blog and, and just looking at, hey, um, what do we need to write about? Do we have something about this already? How do we, do we use the old one? Do we bring it back? Do we delete the old one? Do we, what, so what we, what do we do? This is one of the reasons why we, uh, last year acquired the duplicate post plugin, because I wanted to make the whole rewrite and republish workflow a lot easier, which is what we did with that. So we released that a couple of months ago and you can now just click on a post and then create a new draft from that old post, change the entire thing in a normal editorial process. And then when you hit publish, it'll publish over the old existing post with the new date and the, and the old URL. 
So it, it actually makes the entire republishing old content workflow very easy within WordPress. It's something that I wanted to have for our team because I saw them do this and it was entirely cumbersome to do this by hand the whole time. But it's it's also workflows and thinking of it like that that we that I really want to encourage with SEOs. I mean, SEO is of course still technical, and there's a lot of technical stuff that you that people need to do on their sites if they're not running WordPress and Yoast SEO or another SEO plugin. But I think that all that technical work there need not be tens of thousands of people that need that know how all of that works. A couple hundred of us technical SEOs that fix that for everyone else should be good enough. But we need thousands of good writers that are continuously updating those websites and, and looking at those links and, and, and well, fixing those outbound links because all those links that you have that point to nowhere are a waste of your visitor's time and you should, well, use that a bit better. 100%. Of course, I'll link to the duplicate post plugin in the show notes so everybody can check that out. Uh, yeah, it's, fr- it's free. I'm not, I'm not pushing you to any paid plugins now. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But it's, it's such an interesting point that you mentioned here about technical SEO. I've lately perceived a conversation about technical SEO from two different camps. The one camp says, hey, Google has gotten so good at understanding technical issues and we don't really need to invest that much in technical SEO anymore. And the other camp says that exactly the opposite is the case, that we need to invest more in technical SEO, that quote-unquote sparing Google's resources and making it easier for Google pays off more. What is your opinion? How, How important do you think technical SEO is in 2021? I think it's incredibly important. Um, I do also think that a lot of the people that are doing it don't necessarily get what they're doing. <laughs> um, I, I come from this from with a weird perspective, right? I don't do SEO at website scale. I usually do SEO at WordPress scale. So you, you do it for very large parts of the web. And that means that it's not about competing, about having site A compete with site B as much as it is about how do we make this more efficient because that consumes less bandwidth on Google's side, but also on the host side and just makes the web work better. I, I mean, so my perspective on these things is different. I also want, I, I also try to like get the, the big social networks to all use the same metadata so that we don't have to output six different types of things because it's ridiculous. There's not a whole lot of people doing that work and there should be more people doing that sort of work because I think that would actually improve the web. Looking at crawl rate and looking at, hey, how many sites, how many pages on my site can Google crawl, etc., is interesting and is important if you're working on the very, very large sites of the world. So for you at Shopify, uh, for me back in the day when I was at the Guardian or at eBay or I, I mean on those sites yes it makes sense there are probably only a couple of thousand web properties where that really is the case there are tens of thousands of people wor- pretending like they need to think about this but if your site has a thousand pages then this is not your problem uh, and you should not be thinking about this as much and you would probably it got more return from writing one good article than from thinking about uh, this at length. I think there's a whole lot of work that technical SEOs need to do to make the web better. 
I think there's a whole lot of technical SEO work being done that's not necessarily all that useful. Yep, yep, yep. I very much agree with you. I think it's a very elegant way to phrase it because uh, there's so much context and nuance, right? Like with scale, the importance of technical SEO becomes more important. One field of SEO that's often being grouped into technical SEO is everything around rich snippets, schema, um, basically augmenting your site's code, but also augmenting the search results on Google with more rich snippets, right? So this is, a, I think, a, a field that's that's obviously growing in popularity, growing in importance. Um, and you with Yoast play an important point or important part in this story because it makes your plugin makes it so much easier for webmasters to create rich snippets. So where do you see this whole space going? Where do you see this augmentation of the search results uh, on Google going? Because I'm going to give you a bit of context. I was lucky to look into bigger data sets from a couple of tool vendors, SEMrush, Rank Ranger, uh, over the last uh, two years, actually, 20, well, actually, three years in total, 2018, 2019, 2020. And I saw in 2018, 2019, there was like a huge ramp up of SERP features, right? Google was showing a lot more. And then 2020 was almost stagnating. So, why that is, is is a different story, right? But I'm curious about your point of view. You know, how important are rich snippets? Where do you see this going? And how should webmasters think about that? So I, I look at that from two perspectives. One, I just want to add more and better structured schema to as much, many websites on the web as possible because it actually makes crawling on the web easier and makes it easier for someone to come up with a competitor to Google because it actually helps everyone well digest that data uh, more efficiently. So I, I very much look at schema as a replacement for Facebook open graph, uh, Twitter cards, uh, all of that stuff. So that's why I want to use it in as much places and as well done as possible. I think Google can do can build great stuff upon that. And we as a society still have to figure out how far we're willing to let them go. Uh, does that mean that I would put less schema on a page because Google does stupid stuff with it? No. But I do think that we have to figure out like at which point does Google show too much of a recipe in its search results and, and uh, at which point is this really not in the interest of the website owner anymore. Honestly, in a lot of cases, what Google is doing is taking out the intermediary and with the whole new car section that Google launched a, a while ago. I mean, that takes out an entire space of car sites all over the world that literally only existed to bring cars that, that are in dealerships and in people's parking lots to other people on the other side. And well, Google says, hey, we can take a share of this market and we can, we can do that. I, if they could actually fill that with schema, I'd be fine with that. Because the, the way that traffic usually went was people search on Google for a specific type of car. They'd find one of those car sites, then go and then go to that car site and maybe buy that car and that car site would get paid. That's Google's traffic that is getting those people paid. And, and, and to a certain extent, I, I think that, that what Google is doing there is fine. 
when Google shows the entire recipe or an entire news article in the search results without ads next to it or something that that pays for the like the original creator, that's a bit more problematic. But I think those are things that we need to figure out as a society and our governments will need to answer at some point. I think that the overall thing that we can do with schema is to just connect the web a lot more and to really go to that web freedom where it's not just entities, but we tie actions to all of those things. And we actually help interactions between websites and apps and all these things become a bit more fluent and easy. And I, I think we still have a way to go there. And I think that schema plays a very important role in that, which is why we're also very active in in actually setting the standards. So not just implementing the standards in code, but also helping to define how and define how schema well, defines a webinar, for instance, or thing, things like that. How do you how do you define it? How do you put that online? How do so we, that's we have regular discussions on that with, um, for instance, Dan Brickley on Google site who maintains schema.org. And it's just fun to do that. And it's fun to help improve, make the web a better place. I've had that thought very interesting uh, or that vision better said very interesting about, you know, a fully augmented web with the help of schema can you can you paint us a vision or a picture of what it would look like if we could understand the um the schema indicated actions or the references between sites and and, and how schema plays a role in that let's say i want to uh, i'm looking at a shopify site and i want to buy a product that product has markup next to it that says what the uh, ein or whatever uh identification code for that product is if that code is in there and i have some uh, some app installed from a review site i could very easily find reviews for that product on a trusted third-party resource instead of on the site that is selling me that thing i find this one of the weirdest things in the world in the web's e-commerce setup that we look at reviews on the site that is selling us the thing i mean how would that ever be perceived as reliable? It's those kinds of connections, very simple, where it's a product metadata with a uh, with a simple uh, GTIN or uh, or EIN or whatever number that you can tie to another website and say, "Hey, I'm looking for this product." So I I'm I'm waiting for the product review sites that actually allow me to throw a Shopify URL into their search box and and give me that product. That's the kind of interactions where sites scrape each other. I'm expecting sites in the end to scrape each other because users want to connect one to the other and you'll probably at that point figure out better interactions to do that. I think that we can tie all these things together. I think that we can say, hey, okay, so that goes there. And then, okay, I have these shipping options. Uh, I've just bought this. The shipping data should go straight into my parcel tracker. It keeps track of which packages I have coming to me. Because honestly, we've all noticed this in this COVID period. If you order, order a lot online, you get a lot of packages. Keeping track of your parcels becomes a lot of work. I've got four kids, so, my, so for me, in, in, in my case, it might be even more packages that I need to keep track of than the average person out there. And all these things have already have schema metadata that we could tie to each other and that, and that, that websites could do far more with. So right now, they're all publishers, publishers of schema. But none of them are consumers of schema. 
So none of them use the schema from other sites to really do cool stuff with. I think Pinterest is one of the few out there that does this really well. When you share your own Pinterest, it, it grabs all the, uh, uh, the stuff from there and, and creates these rich pins. And it does this fairly well. Now, they also still support Facebook Open Graph because not everybody has implemented schema. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of these interactions where you could go like, hey, I've seen this on Pinterest, click. Let me let me go to the store that sells that. Oh, let me get some reviews for that on site X. I think all of these together can make for a better web. And then if we go one step further, I, I see a world where we actually know for sure that the person who published that was truly that person. Marika, my wife and I invested in a startup called WordProof uh, that actually um, timestamps content. So you can prove that you put something online at a certain point in time. With WordProof later on, as these timestamps evolve, you can actually also prove that a certain person wrote that content. And then there are now already also systems where you can prove online without showing even your name that you are, for instance, a, a medical doctor. And then you can tie all these things together in a much better way. And then the EAT system that Google comes up with suddenly sound very stupid because, well, we can just prove these entire chains. And I can just tie all of this together into a world where, where all this connected data shows me that what I'm reading is written by a medical MD that actually knows what he's, write, what he's writing about if it's about corona. And it's not some weird thing that somebody somewhere came up with because he felt like it. I think that all of this together has a very, well, a very high chance of actually improving the web and bringing some trust back to that web of, uh, that, that's been missing in the last decade or so. So such an important work. Um, I've been born and raised in Germany and been living in the U S for seven years now. And I saw firsthand how trust eroded since the 2016 election, fake news, this whole conversation, obviously pushed Google also to invest more into that. And then now, since I would say one or two years, we're seeing the rise of um, alternative currencies, right? More Bitcoin, blockchain, NFTs, which are also something like the the timestamp uh, that, that you mentioned. That, that yeah, the, the timestamp actually ha happens on the blockchain. So it, it is, uh, yeah, it's all tied. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And now we finally, because I was looking for a connection between blockchain and SEO and marketing. Like, how can we, how can we actually do this, right? And and now, like, you you finally give me a path there, right? Because I, I think that kind of stamp of approval literally uh, will become really important also in the grand scheme of marketing, right? If Google needs to figure out this whole trust issue situation and you provide them something, um, then I could I could see Google rewarding that pretty significantly. I, yeah, absolutely. And uh, in in news and product search, and there's there's several areas of Google where this is even more important than others. I mean, it's why I happily invested into WorkProof. It's built by a, a Dutch friend of ours. They timestamp on the blockchain. You, you can just verify that you wrote that piece of content and you can reproduce the hash that we store in the blockchain at that point, given our methods. We add that blockchain timestamp as schema.org metadata into that article so that ties it all together and it makes it very simple to just well even for simple things right like um your terms of service you can just timestamp them at the time of a transaction 
and prove that at the time of transaction, these were the terms of service that applied to your transaction. I think there's a whole lot of these things where, where over time, those things become more important. And then as we can later on also tie people to those timestamps, so I can say, hey, this was created by Yoast at that per, uh, point in time. That has true value. I mean, that that actually shows that someone with an opinion on SEO, that that wasn't just someone with an opinion, that it was me. And, and then it's up to you to decide whether I have the credentials to be able to say something that you want to trust or not. But at least you can verify that that person is truly that person. Without a doubt. Is the... The the um the schema property that you mentioned for the timestamp is that already part of the official dictionary? Um, we're we have a proposal open for that. It's being heavily discussed on the schema.org GitHub right now. What a lot of SEOs don't seem to realize is that schema.org is on GitHub. I mean, you can literally just go in there and and be in discussions with other SEOs and and other people on how to improve schema. There's like four SEOs in that. I sometimes want to scream like, why aren't you there? Why why aren't you like helping us improve product schema? Why aren't you help, helping us improve all the stuff that we all are fighting with? But yeah, so uh, the, we're discussing it right there right now. There are a couple of uh, standards that are very similar. So we're trying to like make it in such a way that they all become compatible because the hard part in this is that there's always a couple of people with similar ideas at the same same around the same time and you want to end up with one standard that everybody agrees with and not a fifth new standard that competes with the four other ones yeah that's the challenge here we're not entirely there yet but we'll get there and of course i'll also include a link in the show notes to the github repo for schema so that more seos can engage there yeah it, it, it is good fun it really is you should read it and then sometimes you go like huh and then why is Google pushing for this? And then, you, and then three months later or six months later, you see a new Google uh, thing launch. You go like, oh, wait, they were thinking about this in advance. And so, yeah, so I think it's great for SEOs to actually interact there and see what's happening. That's great advice. Thank you, Yost. Um, we're, we're nearing the end of our conversation, but I wanted to touch on one or two more questions, if that's okay with you. On, on the one hand, like we, we talk a lot about Yoast, the company, and the role that it plays in the CMS ecosystem and the SEO ecosystem. What's what's the biggest challenge running a company like Yoast? I think the biggest challenge is to scale it in a good way because we're we're, we're rather big now. I mean, Yoast SEO runs on twelve million websites. Uh, we have uh, almost one hundred and fifty people working for us. And scaling is just hard. I mean, I it, it, this is my first company of this size, so I've never done this before. And our board consists of mostly people that have never done this before. So that is uh, that is hard. And also to stay true to well, what you think is important, because it's very easy to to make money your most important metric, and it certainly is not. I mean, money is something we need to uh to run this business and to grow it and to to do ever more cool stuff one of the things that you really need to challenge yourself the whole time in like is what we're doing here now really going to improve the web consistently doing that is hard but it is also super rewarding so it's why we're still doing it you you run into a lot of these questions like, hey, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that our readability analysis in Yoast SEO was five years old. 
And uh, five years ago, we started working on readability and nobody in the SEO space did that. We were getting ready to release it and we were we thought a bit about putting it in our premium version of Yoast SEO. And then we said, you know what? If we put this in the free version and a couple percentage points of our users start writing more readable text because of this, then the impact, the positive impact of that is so much better than anything else we can do. So we decided to put it in the free version. And there's years and years of research in that in terms of people hours and in terms of... Uh, so there's a lot of development and cost, but uh, well, the better decision for the web at that time was to to put it in the free version of Yoast SEO, and I'm very happy that we did that. And it's funny now for me to look at the SEO space and see all these people talk about readability and and all these tool providers provide those metrics, and I'm like none of you had this five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect segue, I think, into the almost last question. Um, but to to bring us home, what is what do you want to take Yoast in the future? What is what is kind of what is your vision for the company? There's there's a couple of things combined. I think at the one uh, on the one hand is what we talked about. So uh, building a better schema fied web where we where we make metadata simpler, not harder, and where everyone can build a website and be found in the search results without needing to understand the technicalities. I think for for us to do that on just one platform is not enough. So that's why we're slowly expanding to more platforms. And that's our true mission, SEO for everyone. Like in, in many ways, um, it's an extension of the WordPress motto of uh, democratizing publishing. I think that if you want to democratize publishing, you also need to democratize being found uh, because otherwise you, the publishing is pretty much in vain. Well, mostly I just want to improve the web and, and see if we can help uh, get the web some of that that vibe that it had in the beginning back I remember when I was building my first website in 1994 I don't think you were even born then but I'm not entirely sure <laughs> yeah I was, I was a couple years old at this point <laughs> um, but yeah I at that point the web was very simple in a way and we were all blissfully ignorant of the stupidities that we were creating but you see over time as the web becomes more commercial that we that that there also well we, we there's some some errors that we have in the underlying fabric i well I, if we can play a, a role if even a tiny one in 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 improving that then i am happy way to bring us home yours way to bring us home before i let you go uh, where can people find and follow you? Um, my Twitter handle is a J D E V A L K J D E V A L K. That's probably the the best place to follow me personally. And then uh, Yoast.com and uh, Yoast on Twitter or Facebook or well wherever you want to want to find us. You will probably be able to Google us as well. <laughs> we should be. <laughs> yes, thanks so much for being generous with your time coming on this was a fa fantastic uh, fabulous uh, conversation I'm looking forward to talk to you again in the future thank you thanks for having me three two one